Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the Geoholics podcast. Each week at the beginning of this podcast, this segment explores contemporary geospatial news, innovative technologies, geographic-related controversies and hardships, funny stories, history, and so much more. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky. I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial Sherpa. For today's segment, we're going to spend a minute and discuss what a point of beginning or POB is. Perhaps you're a land surveyor and you know exactly what a POB is. Or perhaps you're a different type of geospatial professional and you've never heard of the term. Either way, let's make sure we are all on the same page. You may have noticed that this geoholic segment is called POB. This was intentional because it is the first segment of the Geoholics podcast. This corresponds to what a POB is in land surveying. Wikipedia defines a POB as a surveyor's mark at the beginning location for the wide-scale mapping of land. The POB, or initial point, is technically a datum on the Earth's surface that marks the beginning of a cadastral survey. The point creates and establishes the Local Geographic Coordinate System, or GCS, of the mapping project. A principal meridian and baseline are usually established based on the POB. The initial point is basically the rug that ties the room together. It is the datum which the rest of the data are based off. Historically speaking, in 1786, the beginning point of the U.S. Public Land Survey began in what was called the Northwest Territory, or what is modern-day Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin. This survey was the foundation of all surveying west of these lands at the time. Thomas Hutchins, the geographer of the United States, who managed and proceeded over this surveying endeavor, used an east-west baseline to start his work. This specific POB and its survey is known as the first major cadastral survey undertaken by a modern nation on Earth. Today, a monument stands just offset from the famous point of beginning location, which is unfortunately underwater now. If you're around the area, you should take a moment and check it out. It could be the beginning of a whole new appreciation for historical mapping. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Welcome back, Geoholics. Shoots is here two weeks in a row. Uh, this is like a record. What is, is this a trend? What is going on here? Uh, it's feeling, it's feeling natural again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All I got to say is, you know what? The power of social media is un freaking believable. We had Jared Aberderis on last week, if you remember, and obviously he had nothing to do with geomatics whatsoever. Just a great story, legend in, um, in Wisconsin as far as athletics go. And 
you know, it's amazing. Like you just start tagging things like tagging UW, you know, Madison or Badger this or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, all these listeners start coming out of the woodwork. You know, it's crazy. Hmm. It's very strategic. That's what I'm learning. It's very strategic. Strategery. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So welcome to all our new listeners. I'm very excited to have you. Thanks for being here. Um, Other than that, the fan packs that we've been talking about for weeks now, I, they're about ready to go. They're about ready to be put in the mail. I suck at mailing. You know this, Mr. Taylor. Y- you do. Yes. I, I absolutely suck at mailing. I am yeah. so glad it's not my responsibility. I think we might anymore. need to redelegate it to you. <laughs> you were, even though you sucked, you were better than I am. You know what? I got to take it care of eventually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he sucks so bad at mailing, we need to get him a postal outfit and make him wear it on the podcast. There oh, my go. God. It yeah. is so with bad. The, so We get him the UPS, the brown shorts. and So here's what I'm yeah. going to say. Here's, if I say it, I'm accountable for it, hopefully. So I, I ordered some new stickers. Wants, ordered some new stickers. They should be in like Tuesday of next week. So after Tuesday, meaning hopefully Wednesday, I'm going to get all these things in the mail. So Miss Pita, who we spoke to prior to the show, mm-hmm. had a nice chat with her. She has been very patient, waiting on her fan pack. And um, I'm just going to commit to having it mailed by the end of next week. Maybe we send her two. Oh, okay. I know we where you're at between the hours of nine and five. So yeah, I, I, over my Ooh. lunch hour, I, I guess will. I need to go do some mailing. Yeah, maybe. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> or we just delegated to Connor. <laughs> I could take Seems like that's a common theme, personal and professional. Life. It's just, it's like Shit a, rolls down, baby. It's like a mental block. I don't rolls know what it down. is. Why, why do you think it's so hard to mail? It really, it's like. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it is. It's the why? last thing on my. Because <laughs> every time you go to the freaking USPS office, they like have an attitude with you. You accidentally mess it up. It's like, what the hell's going on here? Like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, the the postal industry's dying, according to everybody. But the post office, maybe that's what it is. Stacked. Maybe every the time I post office, they need to make it more fun to mail stuff. Yeah. Because it's such a depressing thing to do for some reason. Or the ones that's paying for it too. Smells bad. They should take the Twin Peaks restaurant. Methodology. Yes, <laughs> get some. I love that idea. In there. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yes. the Hooters of uh, postage. There we go. I'm on I board would, with that. I, totally. Yeah, I'll take over the postage. It would probably motivate <laughs> me just a little bit more. All right, Connor, tell us about that opening number. Yeah, it's uh, Elevation by U2. U2 released uh, 14 studio albums, have sold an estimated 150 to 170 million records worldwide, have won 22 Grammy Awards, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2005. Rolling Stone magazine ranked U2 at number 22. Get it? U2, 22. I like it. I like a lot of twos. You know, not feeling 22 like Taylor Swift on that. On its list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. Uh, 17 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Reading is not as hard as it used to be for me there. You're you're settling (laughs) in. You're settling in there, Connor. I love it. So, uh, I mean, I... I love you too. Huge fan. Our guest this evening is also a huge fan. Um, the fact they're 22 is, I'm like, who are the 21 artists ahead of them? You know, I can see them. Like, I would expect them to be like maybe in the top 10. Yeah, I would agree. But uh, we'll have to do some research on that and report back. But I know Bono and The Edge. Mm-hmm. Who the hell else is in the band? Adam uh, Clayton and uh, Andy. Andy. Some, no, that's a police guy. No, who's the drummer? The drummer. The drummer. Uh, say, drummer. I fucking yeah. stumped him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do some mm-hmm. research. Here. It's kind of like the Rolling Stones. You know, Mick Jagger and, and the other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So here we are back in the Diamondback Lancer Bank studio. Um, 
And from sunny Phoenix, Arizona, I think uh, winter is officially over. What do you guys think? It's hot. 85 today. It was 85 today. It's going to be like close to 90 tomorrow. Maybe break some records. They say, say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but they do say there's a cold spell coming at the end. I see that. 88 degrees. I'll take it. I'll take take two degrees in summer. Oh, my God. Right. But I mean, mean, I'm partial, obviously, because we live here and the four of us in the room live here, obviously. But I'm like, where else would you freaking want to live? I swear. I mean, wait, I, I love it here. Do you love it here, Mark? Um, absolutely. Anyway, but it's where else would you live? Sheboygan, Illinois, or wherever it is. Sheboygan. I just like that word. Yeah, you'd want to live there. Sheboygan. That's just Wisconsin. Hold on a minute. Wisconsin. We just got you, Wisconsin, Wisconsin listeners. All right, yeah. hold on. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Not offend anybody. <laughs> wait, wait, how did you say Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's Wisconsin. just how my wife says it. She's from. Uh, She's from the Midwest, Georgia. right? She's from Wisconsin, uh, Lake Geneva. It's T. Pain. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Sheboygan was in Home Alone. Oh, really? Remember, Is that where they live? No, no, wow. no, no. no. She, they're like, oh, where are you going? Or where oh, the hell am I? Interesting. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. I'm pretty it's sure it was uh, John Candy. Hilarious. Hilarious. The fucking polka king of the Midwest. Yes. Yep. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> Such a great movie. Um, so anyways, let's move on to our high, this week's highlighted friend of the program. You know, it's we got to start lining these things up better because last episode, our highlighted friend of the program was Extreme Aerial Productions. Now we have the uh, the king of Extreme Aerial Productions on the show this week. And our highlighted, pro- highlighted friend of the program is Get Kids Into Survey. Shoots. Tell us about Get Kids Into Survey. We're off by a week. We got the chief geek here. So uh, Get Kids Into Survey. In case you didn't know, there's a global skills shortage in surveying. So in November 2017, Elaine and Ellie Ball, great people, created Get Kids Into Survey. What started as a fun side campaign has now developed into a permanent initiative with a mission to educate and excite the next generation of surveyors. As the Get Kids Into Survey community continues to expand globally through its network of sponsors and brand ambassadors, the project has grown to include full programs for educators, scholarships, and a ton of resources that will inspire the next generation of surveyors. To show your support of this awesome movement, please consider becoming a brand ambassador to help the Excuse me, to help spread the word. Spread the word. And bring the geospatial industry together. Check out getkidsindosurvey.com where you can personally inspire future future geospatial, geospatial experts. experts. Yeah. That's man, a tough oh one. Man. He, <coughs> those are tough words, shoots. He's working with me here. It's like uh I got a teacher. You yeah. you need one. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything over two syllables you were struggling, mate. Con- <laughs> Con- Connor taught me it's hard to read. <laughs> it's it's hard. Stuck. <laughs> he's been reading Hud- Hudson all those books, you know. Yeah. So he's, he's, yeah, he's really like the you know, <laughs> am. Yeah. Why isn't this thirty five point? <laughs> oh my god! I, I it doesn't have could, a picture to it. In, increase the font size on this. Probably would have. Yeah, that's what I typically do. I zoom, I zoom in. It's like one hundred and fifty or something like that. One hundred fifty. No, like because you're blind. And I'm still I'm, blind. I'm an old man, Connor. <laughs> you're up, buddy. Connor's time for Connor's weekly words of wisdom. What'd you come up with this week? Oh, you know, the one of the greatest quotes, I guess. So, <laughs> men and 2022 women occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing ever happened. Winston Churchill. Sir. I love that. Sir Winston Churchill. I love that quote. God save the king. Yeah. What about the queen? God save the king. <laughs> 
What about the sex pistols? God save the queen. Mm, yeah, but that's then now you lead it into frigging and the rigging, and we got a problem with that one. So, we'll just leave that alone. Say what? <laughs> the queen's what, like 95, and she got COVID, and she's still powering through. I'm yeah, impressed. She's, she's uh, amazing. She's a trooper, that one. Yeah, she's a tough old lady. It's kept up with the boys a little bit. Connor, what's new, Maddie? You know, not, nothing too much uh, on my end except for, Hold you know on. what I've been... I just I just combined two words. It was man and buddy. I said, man, buddy? Yeah. My buddy? <laughs> I knew what you were saying. I wasn't going to correct you over there because I know you can correct me plenty of times on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, nothing too much. You know what I've been actually uh, picking up recently is pickleball. Been playing a lot of Dude, pickleball. I, I want to play. I played in high school. I haven't played since, but I would love to get back into it. Oh, our you apartment complex. when you were in high school? We had pickleball in, in gym class, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, there but was. Can a, your hips take it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> can I play on my knees? No, no, that's, no. that's a different sport. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you can do some other things <laughs> on your knees, of course. Zero, oh dear. Where just, is this podcast so going? Easy. I do apologize for all the listeners. Oh, yes, yeah, no, uh, it, no, no. It's not. It's not a real hips thing. It's a, It's more of a, a knees and a hamstring. I'm fucked there too. Yeah, well, it's okay. It's okay. Because he's an avid curler, everybody. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. I will put curling up against pickleball any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so nice. I've been playing a lot of pickleball. Played a lot this weekend. Um, nice. Is that how you get the ladies? Yes. Yes, really? that's exactly how I get these does the, ladies. Wait, does the, the lovely Audrey play? The lovely Audrey does play with me. We have nice. one at our complex. Yeah. Mm. Um, I will not say our record because she's probably going to potentially listen to this episode and say that I was wrong because uh, she did win uh, one game. Oh. But... Uh, you know, maybe maybe there was a little, you know, not paying attention, but whatever. You know, yeah. it is what it is. Got to yeah. keep it competitive. Yeah, fun. Yeah. You know, I, I pickleball is. Ex- I mean, I mean, I'm behind the curve here, but pickleball is absolutely exploding in the valley. Oh yeah, most of the yeah. old, um, retirement communities are adding them in. But like they have everybody. like world competitions yeah. here and stuff like that. It's crazy. Yeah. I've watched it like on ESPN four or whatever. The big drama at the country clubs is, uh, you know, what I've heard from friends is yeah. the big, big drama. The tennis people don't want the pickleball courts. Oh, mm. and then, but that's a big revenue dri- uh, generator for them. Like, like a lot of people that are part of the country club want to play pickleball, yep. but the tennis people don't. And then yep. the golfers are like, why the hell do we even have tennis courts, pools, or or, or pickleball courts? It's like it's like so. It's interesting. Uh, it's what about awesome. what about you, shoots? What's going on? Well, you're speaking of pickleball, and I remember. <laughs> oh no, where is I'm this in a little on the golf course one time, and there was a pickleball court. I'm not going to mention who said this, but there were some older people playing <laughs> and this person just said look at all those stds <laughs> <laughs> so every time you uh, like bring up pickleball that's that's what i think of old diseased uh, god it's so funny uh other than that i'm not in oklahoma city i'm here again i am very excited and happy to be here with mr taylor yeah good uh, to have you buddy dude yeah um <laughs> You I'm know. combining all these words tonight. I just said, "Good to have you, buddy, dude." Buddy, dude. <laughs> but it's that it's that exciting that shoots is, is, is here. <laughs> so, oh my I, god, it's so funny. I have a good old Hudson's computer tonight, so all my stickers are on there, and I'm just living the dream right now. So, I love it. Um, not a lot to report. No, you know, any big moves happening on the uh, MLB that you can report on? No. They're, they're, Nothing. The owners are selfish. So frustrating. The players want more money. 
I, I honestly, this is my opinion. Nobody else's, whatever. Um, the players just seem to want, what do they call it? Uh, Money. Tea. <laughs> What is is it? it collective bargaining tax or some yeah. shit like oh, that? Jesus. And it's basically a salary cap. And they're like, yeah, let's keep that up. Because baseball is the one sport that doesn't have a specific salary cap. Yeah. Um, I was at the gas station the other day, and I had my Mets hat on, and this guy with a thick Boston, Massachusetts accent yeah. came up, and he's like, Oh, no baseball this year. And I'm like, all right. And he's like, it's your owner's fault. And I'm like, I'm just a fan of the team. What the hell? Like, he's like, oh, he's George Steinbrenner. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't give a shit. I want my team to win. So, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up so I could get my fake Boston terrible yeah. accent out of my system. That's yeah. why he's wearing a Red Sox hat today. Yeah. He's like, I can't fucking well, with you. It matches the <laughs> Irish. Damn Irish. It's all about matching. You yeah. know. I mean, pretty much GQ right over here. Big Shoes oh, GQ. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I, I can't, I can't like, do the wrong thing or else my wife, oof, it does not go well. Yeah. So, can't walk out of the Mets house. Mets hat look- with this would not work. You can't walk out of the house looking like a schmuck. Yeah. No. And, and And I'm a big Howard Stern fan, as you guys know, and I always, I tell Hudson the same thing. Howard's mom says, dress like you're going to meet the mayor. <laughs> or Mark Taylor. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's Chief Geek. Yeah, Chief Geek's in the yeah. house. Well, it's Lord oh, Geek man. to you, brother. <laughs> Lord Geek. Lord Geek. Sir Chief. Did you see Glendale's going to be... Sir Geek. Did you see Glendale's going to be suing the, uh, the MLB? No. Because of lost revenue the last yeah. couple of years. Really? Should, should do. Like our Airbnb, we lost um, our oh, revenue. yeah. Yep. All all the people that host the teams, it's been delayed, and they've had uh, we've had to take on other bookings and lost mm. those bookings. So, wow, um, there's a knock on to all the restaurants and everything. Is there somebody that is, there, is this like could this become litigious? I I don't know. I don't think it, like in an Airbnb case. Though. No, but I mean, if it, the owners <coughs> have to think of the yes, it's just spring training, but how many yeah. millions of dollars does it bring into the city? Look at the. If you didn't buy directly from the MLB, there mm-hmm. isn't a guarantee you're going to get your money back for the opening day, which are the most expensive tickets of yep. the season, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a knock-on effect uh, of a very large economic swing. And, and uh, I, I don't think people really consider that uh, because the mm. teams are supported because they provide an, a micro-economy, right? Yep. And that micro-economy people rely on. And you're coming out of COVID, and all of a sudden you've got lost revenue again. Um, it, mm. It's pretty frustrating so a lot of the forums are pretty upset about it yeah and I, i'm a diehard baseball fan through and through so i'll be back don't get me wrong but no matter what this yeah yeah but this is this is getting ridiculous it's kind of ridiculous right yeah. what i mean correct me if i'm wrong i heard it's like a 500 million dollar um extraction from the economy not having spring training oh i, I, I in here in arizona i bet in Phoenix, yeah yeah, yeah I, I it's a big number that. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And it's like, you know, it's like millionaires fighting billionaires. And it's like the little people, you know, like those people working in the parking lots, those people doing the vending and doing this and doing that. I Guys mean, like us on podcasts. Podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Geoholics. Yes. It's like one of our top philanthropy groups, like the Thunderbirds 
do the waste management open, but yeah. the Charos, I believe, do the yeah, uh, right. San Francisco Giants spring oh, training yeah, out yeah. on the deck yeah. and stuff. And yeah. like we went, like at my previous company, we went because we had a Charo uh, that was the head of real estate for us. And like that was a blast. And it was right when COVID was starting to hit. But yep. It's like, what do they do? And they're they're one of the biggest philanthropy groups here in Phoenix. So it's like, like you're taking a lot of revenue away from right. from not just profitable places, but also like like giving back to the community. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, the the, the little guy Water? gets hosed. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, the other thing, I was looking at my phone the other day. Yeah. The other day. The other day. <laughs> um, New season of Letterkenny, we by the way. To the last spring training game. Before the oh, world yeah. shut down, that's right. I, that's I had right. a picture yep. of you, me, Lovely Megan, and Megan, yep. and I was just like, "Holy shit, that was that was a weird night, dude." When Think the about world that. shut down, Think about that. That was such a weird night when we were walking out of the game that night. Mm-hmm. It was like it was a surreal moment. I'll never forget the feeling that night. It was just like it's like nothing, it's like you knew the next gonna day. Be the same, yeah, you, know? you knew the next day the world has changed. What yeah. day was that of the week? Do you remember? Uh, it was March. It was in the I middle of the March twelfth. Yeah, it might I have been. I could be completely wrong. That was like well, two twenty eighth when the market crashed. <laughs> that was like, wasn't it? Two, I, I, that was yeah, almost every year ago. I could. Mm-hmm. We can post oh, the photo cool. on our uh, yeah. social media, right. but I'll yeah. look into it. Yeah, but yeah, that, that, about right. that popped up the other day, and I'm like, oh yeah, Kent, yep. Like invited Hudson and I to a game, and yep, that was the end of the world. So weird, dude. <laughs> Thinking back at it, I think we're I think we're over the hurdle. Sure appears that way, as far as that goes. It's just the flu. Yeah. We're done. What about you? What are you you up to? Just real quick, let's stay on the baseball topic. I went to the, and trust me, I I will go back to more of these games. The the Sun Devils game, the issue Sun Devils game last night. Went with uh, Glensky. Absolute legend of the show, episode six. Add value, coined, make friends. Coined the frame, the phrase, add value, make friends. Got to hang out with him last night. Never a dull moment with that guy, that's for sure. Um, other than that, the dilemma I have in my life, and this is like first world problems. Um, I need to decide, do I want to subscribe to YouTube TV or Hulu Live? We're doing the Hulu. YouTube. YouTube. <clears throat> YouTube's expensive. See, it's like if I Google it, I'm like YouTube TV versus Hulu Live. Most people are leaning towards Hulu because you get the, it's a package. You get Hulu, Disney, and ESPN Plus. Yeah. Yes, but I do know you like to watch the Frozen rerun, so I can understand the attraction to Disney. (laughs) Other than that. I have no interest in Disney whatsoever. You do. You said she was hot. Which one? Elsa. Well, I'm more she's of an hot for like uh, an animated yeah. thing, you know. You know, she's like 14 in that, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, we're bringing out Kent's proclivities. Ooh, the the Paramount uh, Plus, everybody knows, is solid. Paramount Plus, I really enjoy. Yeah, is yeah. it? Mm-hmm. We, we got Peacock because yeah, of the no. uh, the Olympics. It wasn't so bad. There's a really good show on there called Wolf Like Me. Mm. Check that out. It is freaking bizarre. But I kind of like that bizarre stuff. You know, that's like way outside the box. We know you like curling. <coughs> yeah. It, I, it's a curling kind of thing. Exactly. No, no normal person likes curling. <laughs> yes. He just likes to oh, rush man. cold stones. <laughs> just yes. you wait. Just the you Paramount wait. Paramount Plus, there's all the 90s Nickelodeon really? stuff. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't looked into that. Do they have Rocket video. Power? I believe so. Oh. What is Rocket Power? It was a cartoon. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a Gen uh, Z thing. Have, Hold on, we never. I, I I I watched it. I I am a very big cartoon fan. I know you are. Around. I know you are, and that's why I want to ask this question because Connor hasn't been around when we've asked the icebreaker of what's your favorite cartoon. So Connor, what is your favorite cartoon? I'd love to know. Ooh, 
Mm. I thought like there was a growing, like growing up, like growing up. Yeah. yeah, like growing up. Hudson and I. Were growing up, one of my favorites was Rocket Power. That's why I asked. Uh, SpongeBob. I watched a ton of uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie was a great one too. Oh, okay, so was, weird. Yeah, you are yeah, so definitely younger than me. Those are when I was just <laughs> yes, aging out of cartoons. <laughs> But Fairly Odd Parents, I like that one a lot. Um, By the power of Grayskull. <laughs> that was me, E Man. Wow, what's oh, yours? Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, like from my early childhood, it was like Speed Racer. Oh. I love Speed Racer. Oh, Speed Racer. Racer X. Go, and Speed Racer. Chim Chim. Go. Remember those guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was totally. great, it was a great cartoon. Oh, All right, God, here we I'm go. Old. Let's move on with this. Um, Hold on. I got to say. Oh, please I, do. I've brought back please do. Rocco's Modern Life. I've been watching that one. Is that lately. a cartoon? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. He, he's a wallaby. I've never been a big guy. He's got like guy. a British accent. He sounds like Mark. Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> like so a by that, you're only saying I look like a wallaby. No, I would never say that. Wait till we get in the parking lot. <laughs> I'll show you a wallaby. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wallaby, you one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get on with this. Our guest this evening, obviously, is uh, Mr. Mark Taylor from Extreme Aerial Productions. If you haven't listened to episode four... So Mark is obviously an OG. A little bit about Mark. Born in England, not Australia. A lot of people mess that up, right? Yeah, it's really irritating. Is it a little frustrating at times? Well, Australia is a penal colony, for Christ's sake. Oh, I was going to say that was interesting. It was a prison island. Yes, and by the time the murderers and rapists uh, arrived in Australia, there were baby murderers and rapists, and they put them on an island. I've got nothing to do with them. I yes, I. I can't disagree. I mean, no. Why would you want to, right? Well, except for I'd like to look like Chris Helmsworth. Good <sighs> way, well, y'all, right? I know. Well, it Ryan does. There's some no. beautiful places far, in far Australia, though. It. I'd like to go oh, sometime. Queensland. Oh, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's do that. Wait, should we do that? Uh, I think you we should. You in April? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Oh. She's always wanted to go. Oh, my goodness. I think we just arranged a vacation. Sweet. All right. So you grew up in Great Britain. I did. Attended the University of Southampton. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> did they have a mascot? Do you remember? I did a little research on this. So you know the answer. I know the answer, but I want to know. No, it, was, I, it was a little gray area. I had to dig into this a little bit. No, I, I think wasn't it's, in that. How about the area. Mustangs? Does that ring a bell at all? Because there was like the Southampton Mustangs baseball team. Oh, God, no. I wouldn't have paid attention to that because rounders is what girls play, and that's our <laughs> version of baseball. <laughs> why, would I, why would I even be involved with a... a British version of American baseball. Uh, I have no idea. Christ, no idea. Have, it's a good point. Are you a cricket fan? Oh, yeah, sort of. It's a little boring. I'd like it, to try it, it sometime, though. I would love to try it. Yeah, it lasts. Like three lasts. days for a game. That's like, for, just for a test it? match. I'm yeah. like, what the hell are you testing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. It's like football. I, I, football. I, that is my sport. <laughs> football. No, his sport is rugby. rugby. Big yeah, rugby. Oh, who's your team? Big rugby fan. You look like he Played a little rugby, as a matter of fact. Who's my team? It's well, it's the Springboks. Mm. Yes. What position did you play? Tight head prop. Oh, okay. I played block in high school. Oh, okay. That's fine. Well, really? Nice. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. I love watching rugby. I don't know the first thing about it. I wish I knew more. I think the last time you were out, we talked about. It. I'm like, we need to go to a rugby match. Yep. Right. And uh, I would love to sit next to you at a rugby match and just have you explain it to me because it's awesome. 
It is amazing. Yeah, it's very love the game. Love the game with the scrum and the yeah. I think the best thing for for football would be to have people like have rugby training and then go into like American football. Yeah, because I I went from football to rugby. Yeah, and thought that I could light somebody up like just jumping and leaning into them and that that it's different. It's like different strengths, right? Oh yeah, different. I almost snapped my collarbone on that tackle, just like launching into somebody. So you get yeah. all the head injuries yeah. out of it. Well, Plus it's 45 minutes of continuous play, a 10-minute, 15-minute halftime, and yeah. then you're back at it. No substitutions, no switching yeah. out unless for injury, and we don't have gay Gatorade commercials. Yeah. Sounds like a night in the uh, Mark Taylor... <laughs> 45 minutes of nonstop action. <laughs> yeah, baby. Take a halftime. Yeah. Halftime gauge rate, baby. Yeah. So, yeah. so, Mark. Get back the fluids. Way too much fun. Welcome back to the Geoholics. Thank you. Um, before we move on, thank you for your support of the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're an OG. You are an OG. Back. Yep, for sure. Um, quick icebreaker. <clears throat> are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. So you have to wear a T-shirt with one word on it for one year. Which word do you choose? Badass. That's two words. It's one word. It's hyphenated. It could be hyphenated. Could be hyphenated. Okay. Badass. 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 How about you, Connor? I was expecting him to say extreme, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as smart as you, mate. <laughs> Marketing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marketing. Yeah. You guys got anything on that one? I'm hitting you with it out of the blue. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, it's 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 an acronym, but U of A. Uh, dumb, dumb, dumb. Go ahead, Oof. shoots. What you got? Oh, oh I'd have a Mets shirt. Did you say Mets on yeah. it? Oh, Mets, 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 Mets. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Good I, stuff. You know, Good stuff. I am loyal to my team to a fault. Yeah. yeah. So, what about Good you? stuff. Oh man, I don't know. Um, Alta. No, not Alta. Um, <laughs> Geoholics, I don't know. Believer, I don't know. I try to be optimistic on things, you know, so we'll see. So let's get up to speed on all things Extreme Aerial Productions. It's been about two years, if you can believe that, since we've had you on. Yeah. What's, what's the latest? What's going on? Gosh, what isn't going on? It's been uh, a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, very unfortunate to have covid come around but as a business owner uh it opened up a lot more opportunities uh, a lot more people that were reticent to uh, make the phone call and try something like we did thermal scannings for people mm. entering events uh to see if they had a fever um some interesting really, really good applications there um we've done everything from uh well actually two weeks from now we're actually doing an underwater topo Bathymetrics, really? which is really cool. Wow. Um, we've been to Virginia for 6,500 acres on a solar farm. We've doing oil line studies in Oklahoma. A um, bunch of uh, TV shoots. We lost pretty much all the network mm. uh, contracts because of COVID. No one could travel. Um, but local TV shoots we've been doing. We did an incredible Hoka commercial up on the Grand Canyon. Got to actually fly inside the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. And follow a chieftain's son who was one of the first people to uh, make it to the Olympics as a Native American. And he was in full tribal gear on a awesome. painted horse with his hoka bright shoes. Yep. Um, tons of drone surveys with uh, using tethers and traffic studies. Um, so it just keeps evolving. And, and I wish I could say it was marketing or something, but 
And number one question we get asked now is, can a drone do that? It's almost like an Urkel. Yep. Did I do that? <laughs> you know? Yep. Can a drone do that? So, yeah, we're like, um, don't know. Let's figure it out. And if you're willing to pairs, we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I've, <clears throat> I've always said that about the whole drone thing. And it's like, it's, however creative you can be with it, you know, it's like, just like, can a, can a drone do that? More times than not, a drone could probably do that. Yeah. Right? Whatever it is, yeah. 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 No pun intended. The sky's the limit. I said that. I always say that. Yeah. The sky's yeah. the limit when it comes to that stuff. Um, so, as far as COVID goes, since it's been a couple of years since we've talked to you uh, on the podcast, um, was it a, a negative thing for your business or did it end up ultimately being a positive thing? Uh, very, very positive because people started to see the value. They couldn't get employees out there. There was more need for uh, surveillance has such a negative undertone, but um, let's just call it progression, not just from construction projects, but what was really happening in, in real time. We did probably 75 live broadcasts with the mm. drone in the air. Uh, to owners throughout a state or uh, investors, banks, bonding agencies that just want to do uh, check up on stuff. We had a couple of OSHA things yeah. I can't really talk about, but um, God love OSHA. Um, go OSHA. Go OSHA. <laughs> uh, so it, 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 for the people that knew of us and what could be done, it would push push the button for them to pick up the phone, yep. whereas they would have been uh, stayed within their normal comfort zone of, I'm going to call Bob and Bob's going to do this. Well, now let's have a drone. So much more adoption, um, which, which was beneficial for the company. How has it worked out for you as far as finding uh, you know qualified people? So we're very fortunate to have um, uh, a good connection with Emery Riddle. Uh, where I used to uh, teach and help on the survey and cinematography side of their UAS program. Um, so I stay in touch uh, with those guys. So the talent pool is very strong for us. My challenge is that with our vans and trucks being um, wrapped, uh, yeah. we regularly get a phone call not dissimilar to something I had two days ago, which is my phone rings, I answer it, I'm driving, and the guy goes, I'm following behind you in the in your truck and I'm looking for a job. And you go, okay, mm -hmm. sir, um, why would you like to work for us? Well, I'm a professional drone pilot and I'm sorry for butchering the American accent, but- I That was horrible, by the way. Thank you. Well, I only know NASCAR, left-hand turns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sorry to any NASCAR fans, um, but you know, they're like, I, I want a job. And okay, do you have any qualifications? Well, I'm about to take my test. And you're like, okay. So there's a lot of that out there. Everyone wants to be a pilot. And then they tell you what, you ask them what their salary expectations are and they want to make $200 an hour, which just isn't going to happen on any, on any level. Um, but for the most part, there's plenty of good people, good, honest, ethical people that want to do it the correct way. Um, so we have drawers full of resumes and yeah, we're very blessed to have the opportunity with the work, yep. thanks to companies like Alter and, and other uh, uh, clients out there, we're, we're able to do good work and have enough to support uh, four full-time pilots. Fantastic. So, thanks. Yeah, well, so you, you've had other success, successful business endeavors. Like, What made you jump into the UAV business then? Because it's dead sexy, mate. Yeah, <laughs> it's dead sexy. I, I, I can go into any bar and say I'm a drone pilot and 
the girls just fall right over, much to the chagrin of my wife. <laughs> I was about to say, I just how's your wife feel about that? <laughs> She's not happy. Um, no, no. Um, drone pilot, you saw something, though. Like, you got to get out of the drone business because of that. But seriously, yeah. though, you had to have like some foresight into what was going to happen. Because you've been doing this, when did, when did you start your business? 2014? Yeah. Yeah, so um, how do I really answer that? It was something that I was curious about, and I didn't really say, well, drones are going to going to be the future, but I could see lots of applications. And um, I ended up in several situations because of timing that were very fortuitous that allowed my business to grow, like getting the BF Goodrich contract or being picked up for the Audi shoot or wh whatever it may be. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time because of circumstance. So very, very, very fortunate. And everything from there has parlayed. I think I'm good at marketing, but the the website drives a lot of traffic to us, but it it only drives traffic to us because of the content. And we only get the content because people are calling us or know of us because we do a good job. And we're doing fun and different things. Yeah, like I was saying before the show, like I, I can't get you off my LinkedIn. I, I wanna like I no, I'm just joking on unfollowing, yeah. but like every time that I pop it up pop open, it's extreme aerial, extreme aerial, extreme aerial. I'm like and I asked them before the show for the listeners, like are you doing it or is like, so did you hire this? Cause it looks, yeah. per, it looks very professional. Like you're hiring somebody out and he's like, no, I, I do it myself. And it's, yeah. it's incredible. So like what in the UAV business, like what made you, what was the nugget of information that like had you jump to the UAV business? I guess. Like how'd you find out? You, could, you probably could have done just about anything. Yeah. How yeah. Do, like how did, how did this, like what, what, what brought this to the surface? So, um, in my mortgage uh, career, my shtick had been rather than schlepping a low rate was how can I help you as a realtor grow your business? How can I get help you get more listings? How can I help you communicate with a larger audience? And it always fell down to, you know, the old adage, video is 800 times more effective than yeah. a picture. And then you get down in, into my video presentation that I do in my classes, you know, um, if a picture's worth a thousand words, how many words is a video? Well, um, MIT did a study on it and actually paid a marketing firm to figure it out. And a 30 second video is worth 1.3 million words in terms of impression and impact. Mm. So I wanted, to, I wanted to find a way to help people in the real estate community show what they had so I learned SEO and how to get them found for three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in Glendale. And then how do we visualize, visually represent that? And we have video. And, and then a few years later, Google started SEOing the spoken word and video, which really helps. But there's nothing more engaging than having a drone video with the movement, flying around the property, flying into the front of the house, then connecting with the ground crew. And that's how it all started was the discovery of how can I take this drone at the time that was a piece of crap and I had a GoPro on it that was a piece of crap. I think it was a GoPro 3. Um, and I had multiple crashes, which got me a lot of exposure. And um, then I got discovered from having a really cool Audi in the video. Yeah. And then it just blossomed from there. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it was... And then I started to see the value of it. And, and for me, it was, can I make... Can I augment my retirement with sitting on the couch waiting for the production companies to call. And that wasn't a very good business model because you'd get booked a week, a month, and it yep. was great. But 
there was so much more. It felt like it was, it was like the, the change for me was like using an abacus to moving to a lap, laptop. Yep. Here's what we have. And, and that's why we keep pushing and, and buying new equipment and, and trying to be the very best at, at what we do. Yep. So, Mark, I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last, gosh, I don't know, five, six years, whatever yeah. it's been. Um, time flies and you're having fun, of course. Um, Ever since you told me to stop using the word surveyor and threatened me with a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> How did you guys meet? <laughs> that was pretty much it right there. <laughs> Hold on. I got to hear this. Yeah, you, uh, um, my, response, my response with my attorney was cease and desist. How the fuck are we going to get the drone to cease and desist? The, the, the drone is the one surveying. And my, my comment to Kent was, you know, when I'm standing outside of my cabin, I'm actually surveying the view. <laughs> How is that illegal? The drone is doing the surveying. Yeah. So I went through my website, removed yeah. all the words and yeah. changed it to aerial data collection to make him feel better. <laughs> and then I did a presentation where all these guys were talking about flying illegally in Class Bravo and I lose my shit at the Wrigley Mansion yeah. in a presentation and uh, finally got to win a few people over. So that's it in a nutshell, mate. Me being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you <laughs> like you've I, over the course of your life, you've you've had like this entrepreneurial spirit, obviously, right? And you've I know you've had some successes. I'm sure there's been some failures along the way. It's how called th- my ex-wife. <laughs> I wasn't going to get into that, but how do you parlay what you've learned from, let's say, either one, your successes or your failures, into the 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 drone business? How 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 has that helped you? So it. it it really does, and the problem with answering a question like this is one tends to come over as very contrite, but it, I, I'm very serious when I say this. It, it, I am a pleaser as a human being. That's my profile. And so let me, ask, let me say this. I feel like I am the same way. Yep. And that could be a blessing and a curse. It is. It's a double-edged sword because you work so hard to please somebody that may or may not justify that feeling and you don't get reciprocated but you're always trying to do the best Mm -hmm. and because you're doing that you can set yourself up for failure um i when someone doesn't call me when i've delivered a kick-ass video to them and i start to get upset about 10 days later and then i'm calling blowing up the phone going so was it good and they're like oh my god it was amazing and my response now is you could have freaking called me yeah you know, you've met me, you, you know this is important to me, I, I'm excited for you, yeah. and I crashed two bloody drones in the process and spent five grand and you only paid me 1200 bucks. So, you know, I wanted, I wanted to get the shot. Um, so what I learned in the mortgage trade and being a, a business consultant in the very beginning of my career, that we have to do the best that we can do and hopefully it's better than the expectations that the client has for you and you'll be successful. But I never want a client to say, Mark didn't try. Yeah. And that's the biggest lesson because people see it all the time. And I call and apologize because of weather and they laugh and go, you're not God. I go, yeah, I know, but you've got reporting and I'm going to miss it by two days. And they're like, it's, it's okay. You can't help the wind or the rain. But I, I actually feel really bummed because we're not able to get out there. Yeah. Um, so uh, th- that's the only way I can really answer the question and, and just be straightforward with people. It's just trying to do the very best that I can. Yeah, and it's like, uh, so we, we've done some business together. You know, mm-hmm. we've done some projects together and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I can definitely concur with what you're saying. It's like, you know, we, well, what if, for example, we had a project up in Bullhead City, Arizona, which is out in the middle of freaking nowhere. The wind blows 40 miles an hour, like 
90% of the year, and we had you flying one of our uh, Alta surveys yep. up there. And I could just tell by the way you responded. I, like, I didn't even question you, but you would send me an email prior to me even questioning you. I was like, Ken, I'm sorry. You know, like, incredibly communicative. It's like, and I could just tell that you genuinely felt bad <laughs> that you weren't able to complete the mission in the time frame that you had promised or hoped to, but it was out of your control. Yeah. Out of your control. So when you say that you care, this, you know, all the other things you just mentioned, it's like, yes. And that's unique to the profession, you know, so kudos to you for, for, for being like that. Thank you. That's why I like to work with you. Oh, thanks. Knock it off. Yeah. Are these two going to hug it out here? Right Heck now? yeah, we are. We just made eye contact. You saw it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I was looking into his baby blues. Mm. Yeah, baby. <laughs> they are mesmerizing. <laughs> <laughs> baby blues in that accent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm known as a lady killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen it in action, actually. <laughs> Don't tell his wife. Uh, <laughs> April's April's amazing. First of all, he's got the most incredible wife. She's incredible. Uh, oh, you have Megan too. Oh, man, we're blessed. Yeah, we are. We're blessed. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. Yes. There are a lot of challenges in the UAV business. Mm-hmm. In like when you like we'll meet like once a month, we'll drink some whiskey and stuff like that. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. And some of the things you share with me, I'm like, oh my God, how do you even how do how do you make money with like all these challenges you have? Talk about some of those unique challenges. Yeah, so it, it's actually, um, it's very interesting, especially, again, this morning, I, I have a call from a client who needs us to mobilize right away. Um, and he's saying, you know, we really don't want to spend $20,000 getting another survey firm out here um, to get it done for us, but can you do it? And then we give him a price that's a third of the survey firm's original quote or 50 times the data, um, and we'll deliver it in two weeks, but they want to pay us a quarter of what the mobilization fee is. Mm. And that is my biggest challenge with the industry, and I keep saying, and I, I think I've coined the phrase of, please stop judging me for the time it takes me to acquire the data, judge yep. me on the quality of the data. Yep. And that is the biggest challenge, especially when some of these... Um, Jobs require us to show up with a $40,000 drone with another $40,000 drone and backup and $30,000 worth of survey equipment and we're turning and burning a job faster than anyone can do it with relative accuracies that are as good or if not better than than most other companies. And we have the skill set and the experience and 15,000 recorded missions and so on and so forth and it, it, it's a challenge. And that's a that's a big frustration for us, and and um, you know, I, I don't know how to fix it. I just so, don't. Yeah. So you're competing against other like traditional photogrammetry companies, mm-hmm. as well as surveyors and things like that. But you work hand in hand with surveyors, so Absolutely. you know you're you're working with survey engineering, whatever any companies. Um, <clears throat> what so what? This we're going to get into it just a little bit, but it 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 drives me insane. When just because technology is reaching a point that you are able to provide an unbelievable product at maybe in a, in a, in a faster time frame, mm-hmm. that people expect that to cost less. Yes. Right? Yes. It's like it, it goes completely against the traditional business model. 
right? It's like the whole thing. It's like you hear people all the time. It's like, you're not, you're not paying me for the eight hours that it takes me to go out there and survey. You're paying me for the 30 years of experience I have that allows me to do it in eight hours. Yeah, but the industry has created this pricing model based on T&M. And they have to justify the price. It's a four-man crew. It's nine days. And then I've got four days in the back office. And I've got a mobilization fee. And I've got this and this and this to add up to a justifiable um, price. Because survey is always beaten up to be the cheapest part. But yes. it's the most necessary part. Yep. And then you have the engineering firms. And I'm not picking on anybody at all. But as an industry... Yep. The profit model is based on ma making the initial design and then having design changes because of the original design, not because of owner changes, as a, a revenue stream. It's almost guaranteed. When we deliver drone data, it's so precise and down to the pixel that there is no need for additional design changes if they do it right the first time. Yep. So my argument always to the engineering firms is, the clients that you have that you know they're giving their business away to other firms, you can now accommodate and take on their business because you're not held up on the back end and your rush jobs are truly rush jobs because the owner decided to change an easement. Yeah. Um, and we give such finite, uh, such high-quality data that mm -hmm. is so easily visu visualized, it's faster for them to turn and burn and make decisions. Yep. Um, and... We should be paid more for that. But because I am the drone dude, <laughs> um, he's just a dude that flies drones. <laughs> I can buy one from Best Buy. My cousin flies a drone. You know, I'm, I don't have a four-year apprenticeship. I don't have an RLS behind my name. But I do have Chief Geek as my bloody title. <laughs> it should count for something. Um. You know, and I can stamp anything. I can go to Staples and get a stamp and put a smiley face on it. Um, but it, it, I, I, I get why the industry is the way that it is, but we we want to provide an extremely competitive product yeah. with great value, and the value is the time, the speed, the accuracy, and the, all the other cool stuff that we provide that uh, traditional photogrammetry firms do. So what what is what is happening kind of behind the scenes? I know, like... I mean, are there, are there licenses or certifications in the works for drone pilots that are out there flying these missions and developing 3D models of the Earth's surface? I mean, obviously, by definition, that's surveying. Um, but where, where, where do we draw the line? I mean, are, are, anybody can go out there. Let's face it. Anybody can go out there with a Phantom 4, fly a mission, come back with you know, an LAS file, whatever, submit that, get it mapped, but where does the check and balance come in? It, I'm really glad you brought that up because it, the checks and balances are the process that one goes through. So the guy that's out there flying a Phantom 4, first of all, can't deliver an LAS file that's survey grade, but they tell everyone it's survey grade because yep. they've fallen into the marketing trap. But when we go out and do a job, we... Not only do we have our own GPS equipment, which, by the way, the GPS equipment is measuring a point in time on, the, on Earth, not me. Um, and you can blame Trimble for that. Um, <laughs> or Topcon, or Leica. But um, 
we'll take a picture of the 30-second bubble. We'll prove that the optic is pointing right on that top of the rebar that a surveyor has already measured. And we're tying into that. We have a workflow. We put out our, our ground control photogrammetry standards are 2,000 feet. Uh, we'll put about 1,500, which is 300 more than the survey, which is 1,200 feet because of a um, you know, total station and, and visual acuity. So, And we'll put out extra ground control because the more ground control there is. So everything that we do is catalogued and photographed. Our version is our iPhone. You guys have your great little uh, survey books that you write your notes in. Cool, we have all of that. We have the very best equipment that has double safety guards and produces an accuracy report. That accuracy report is attached. The processing in the tie-down and the bundle adjustments and the type of targets that we use are 24 by 24 that can be easily identified with a shiner and a nail-in. So when we go through the manual processing and we geotag everything and we put it all together, it's everything we do at Extreme Aerial is defensible. Because at the end of the day, I have to deal with someone that it might sue me. We get to do such incredible projects like 6,500 acres in Virginia for solar, oil pipeline uh, mapping. We're doing TSMC. I'm not supposed to say what TSMC is, so you guys can okay. Google it. Um, 1,300 acres every, every Saturday with 125 G GCPs out there, and we're processing it. Everything has to be defensible because... I'm the drone dude, <laughs> and I'm going to get sued. So every process, we, we need to make sure it's defensible so that someone can say, yes, they did the right thing, they did the right correction, and if there is an anomaly, then it's very simple to fix, uh, fix and, like we've talked about. Mm -hmm. X and Y is easy. Find a manhole cover and lock it down, but it's the elevation that's the most important. So yeah. what is the translation? Um, how, what was in the process that we could go back to and say, oh, at step 17 we should change it to 0 0.058, not 0 0.063. Mm. Boom. So that's what stops the average person. How, uh, how did we figure this out? It's by sitting down with friends like yourself and understanding and a couple of other firms who are willing to open up their secret source of what they needed as a deliverable. Because we don't get to see a deliverable from an, uh, an aerial company. Yep. We're not privy to that. We're not privy to those contracts. Um, so we've had to try and figure it out and just ask the right questions. Yeah, for sure. So all this costs money. Oh my God. Um, I mean, you can share with us if mm -hmm. you'd like what mm -hmm. you've spent on hardware sure. technology. It's totally up to you. Yeah. But with technology advancing as quickly as it has and mm -hmm. continues to, um, how do you decide what's worth investing in and what's not? It's a really good question. Um, so we we kind of have to summate it this way. I mean, yes, I've spent half a million dollars in the last six years on equipment. Most of it has been a failure of myself in being attracted by the marketing hype. The problem is the marketing and the VC guys are pumping out all this product Technology is doubling every six months and they're making all these promises until you get your hands on the equipment and actually fly it. You're like, that's junk. Yeah. For example, the RTK 210 when it first came out, guaranteed centimeter grade accuracy. No matter what we did, no matter who tested it, we couldn't get better than six, seven centimeters. And then to add insult to injury, DJI wouldn't stand up for that. 
And in version two, their exact marketing line was, everything we promised you in version one, we now have in version two. <laughs> Sign them up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not spending another $35,000, you bastards. Um, and it happens all the time. I'm, I'm dealing, no, nothing wrong with Skydio. Skydio's got an incredible product, but does it do what it says it does? Yes, it does. But in the applications we need it for, it fails. But they're expecting me to spend $18,000 on, on a job that, yes, is a three-year contract and flying three times a week. But it, it's not viable because you actually have to have two. Because in this game, two is one, one is none. Mm. Um, mm. The other side of the equation is everybody's p calling and going, hey, we can fly faster, we can fly higher, we can give you better resolution. Guess what, guys? I don't give a shit if you can fly at 56 miles an hour and, and have 90 megapixel cameras. I got 41 megapixel cameras that fly at 38 miles an hour. Yes, it would be nice to get out of 120 degree heat two hours earlier, but nobody can process the damn data. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. When, when the survey industry comes <coughs> back and goes, you must provide a one millimeter topo or mm. contour, um, then I'm like, oh, oh my God, yeah. And everybody's all about LiDAR. Well, LiDAR is great if you have heavy vegetation, but it's not great for everything else. And yeah. if you want to spend six, $7,000 on a 1,000 acres and special targets and put a $60,000 piece of equipment out and spend two days mapping it, yeah, great, five centimeters. Cool. Wow. But photogrammetry, I can get you better than a tenth all day long. Yep. So, and, and in all fairness, if you're using LiDAR, and I know there's people here listening to this, and they'll go, Mark's full of shit. Um, LiDAR has a lot of value, but the best value it has is LiDAR and RGB combined and merged, so you have your visualization. You, you can hardly get a client to pay a drone dude what he's actually supposed to be paid, yeah. let alone throwing all this on. Yeah. And you, you go to them, you know, I had a, had a client, I was doing line sag on uh, uh, transmission lines, and I go, well, unfortunately, I have to rent an $80,000 unit because I'm not buying an $80,000 unit. And they're like, so? I go, okay, I'm going to put it in the bid. No, you're not. It's part of your bid. Mm. Okay, I'll figure it out. But it's an $80,000 unit. Yeah. So wh why are you taking that approach? Well, we have pieces of equipment that are 5 $6 million. We're not impressed. I go, this is a shit ton of money for a thing that can only give me 300 parts per meter. And you're asking for 800, so I'm going to have to spend a lot more money. So there, we, we get also get abused on our own industry with the processing and what is the real play with, is it hardware, is it software? The software guys are the ones that are making all the money. Good for them. Great. Um, but when you start finding out it's AI and 85% of the AI... Um, it's only good for 85% of the output and the 15% you have to go back manually. It takes longer than doing it manually from start to finish. It, it gets frustrating. So as a drone industry, we I liken it to realtors. People sell to realtors the panacea of a website of lead generation mm. and everything because it's a low-hanging fruit. Yep, They don't know how to meet people. In the drone industry, they're charging us five times the cost of what it makes to create a unit um they have lots of vc money behind them so they're flush with cash but they're always trying to charge a premium that it's just not scalable um and it's it's a challenge and unfortunately i had i've had to learn the hard way i mean we've got 29 aircraft um we use most of them all of the time but 
there's quite a few pieces of equipment we have that are, are just not viable. It's a big expense. So shoots, I'm going to put you on the spot here, my Uh-oh. friend. Oh, so uh, that's not good. For so Mark mentioned uh, a couple different things there that I, I want I want to get your opinion on because you're a certified photogrammetrist. You know, he talked about basically traditional photogrammetry in addition to uh, incorporating uh, aerial lidar. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I agree with what Mark is saying. I think you will as well. That the combination of the two provides the best product. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're taking one good thing and another good thing and putting them together. Of course, it's going to be the best product you can get. Yeah. So, um, I I am not overly familiar with lidar on drones. So, if you can expand on that a little bit, I would appreciate it. Um, sure. It's it's essentially the same units that you know are in a manned craft but um miniaturized yeah yeah, yeah. So, so probably the uh, same principle on a lower elevation i guess right so from and, an aircraft and, and like the the points per meter all that stuff it's very comparable no so typically correct me if i'm wrong you typically get 31 points per meter from an airplane mm-hmm. so we can take that same miniaturized unit and get 800 to 1,000 points per meter. Holy schmoly. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we fly lower and slower, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very battery intensive and, and work uh, intensive. And the amount of data that you're pumping out, we end up tiling and descaling quite a, quite a bit with LiDAR. But people are suckered into LiDAR for two misconceptions. One, it's night vision, mm. which it's not. And, and two, it's more accurate. It, it isn't. And unless you have proper standoff uh, targets and tie-in and really, really good control, mm. you still have to shift it. So you're looking at this great point cloud that's got a black background, but it creates a shape that is identified as a house or a telegraph pole. But in order to really tie it in, you've got to have the RGB with it. And the time it takes to process, because of the difference in inaccuracies, um, to tie it in and do the bundle adjustments to get it to line up with the RGB is very exten- extensive and therefore expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but people seem, uh, most of the time when we get called on really, really big jobs is they don't have the accuracy level that they needed because they had LIDAR. Mm-hmm. And they were sold the bill of goods. They thought it was more accurate. Yeah. It, it's great for uh, amazing stuff. If you want your entire, whatever is it, four and a half feet above the ground and you only want one inch of it, you can bifurcate that, pull it out, flip it up and look at it. it, it it's amazing because of the, all the returns and the data collected. But um, for us, when when we really propose it to clients is on heavily washed areas, on open desert, photogrammetry, fly the LiDAR down that washes for the true D- DSM, tie it all in. But that LiDAR for that two mile wash versus the, 5,000 acres is typically twice the cost of photogrammetry mm-hmm. and three times the time in, in uh, processing because we have to tie it back to RGB. Can you process LiDAR faster? Absolutely. Um, Sorry. It's okay. It's easier, it, it's easier to go. How do you, like, the file size has got to be huge. How does that become manageable? It, it's a great question. We just did 5,800 acres and... Um, it was 600 gigs. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and then we have to tile it. With the, with the LiDAR units on the drones, um, how many returns per point are you getting? 
So typically on those drones, depending on which unit we use, anywhere from three to five, but the five um, on the fourth return, you're only getting about uh, 25% and then the fifth return about 10%. So, and the overlap on the side overlap is a lot less. So you can fly it quicker because it doesn't need it, depending if you've got a 180 or a 360 unit. Um, for me, uh, there are two major applications for LiDAR. Line sag, vegetation encroachment on the lines and heavily vegetated areas, particularly washers. Yeah. Um, but photogra- still, for price, photogrammetry, getting some good control down in the washers, really, how much is it really affecting your watershed versus the cost? It, 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 I, I think it's negligible. But, you know, people who have LiDAR units will fight to the death and say, no, yeah. you have to do it. And, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you... so? You mentioned earlier how quickly technology is advancing. Mm-hmm. How do you how how do you make the decision? You're a small business. How do you make the decision that like okay, I'm going to spend you know fifty a hundred thousand dollars on this technology? What is the process to get you to that decision making point? So in the early stages, it was I'd have a client that um, well let, let's give you a, a current case of uh, um, doing an un, underwater topo. So bathymetrics, it has to be a multi-beam. Those boats are 200 grand. Mm. So we rent one, we do the project, it gets stamped, everybody's happy, we have a test case, we show it, and then I can go market it. If I can go market it and get other jobs like Lake Lake Pleasant, which is important, and Bartlett Lake, or even being able to do the CAP and, and map all the vegetation on there, it would be huge then it's viable to purchase the equipment. Um, Drones to rent are very difficult. Um, The rental companies make a fortune, like they force you into, let's call it bogus training. Um, So it's it's heavily front-loaded for them, plus plus the rental. I I get it, that's a different business model. But um, for the most part, we really do have to go out and buy the equipment. but usually what happens is we'll have a job and hopefully the job pays enough for the equipment and we just do the job and and we've made no money on that and we can hope that we can parlay it into future business through marketing, through LinkedIn um, and test case. And, and that's why we ended up with uh, a couple of very, very expensive thermal units um, that have more than paid for themselves. So yep. people call us for thermal, for roofing and things like that. But it's... You, I've yet to have a job with as many clients as we have that will pay m- more for the job than the actual unit, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you had a question? No, I was just doing the. Ca- I was just calculating. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> it, what you said. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard to keep up. You know, um, yeah. why did we spend all the money we did on a on a survey unit? Uh, you know, TSC seven collector and a SP eight ninety six. Well, it was because we wanted to be defensible. Um, and that took five jobs to pay for itself. Yeah. So I'm writing all the checks for the employees, the work, the fuel, the vehicles, the depreciation, blah, 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 before that unit is paid for itself. And I won't go into debt um, to finance them because the, the technology moves so fast, they're obsolete. Yeah. And That's my point exactly. Yeah, it's frustrating. How do, I, how do you... What can you do to become more profitable? 
So we can't reduce the cost because we're very tight with the costs. And we've also, all, everybody in the industry has got the fuel problems, inflation problems, employee costs going up. Um, I mean, I feel really bad for my guys um, because it, it does cost them another 150 bucks a month at the grocery store. Yeah. But they also get to fly as many hours as they want. You know, they have uh, a stable job and we're trying to do, we do every 90 day, we do price increases and, and wage and incentives and so on and so forth. But the the only thing that we can do as a company is raise price. And we're at a point where we still represent great value. But And right now, for the first time of my existence, you can justify going back to a client and mm. saying, I have to raise yeah. price, right? Yep because of all the economic factors going on. Mm -hmm. um, but we're getting to the point where there's diseconomies of scale until the industry realizes how much money is saved and the ROI on using a drone versus traditional methods. Um, we're almost at the peak of that uh, value proposition. And I, I just don't know how to raise the price. So the only way that I know to mitigate costs is to fly more and have more clients. Hmm. So anyway, yeah. I, 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 know, I know we've had many frank conversations mm -hmm. and yep. I think I represent good value in, the, in our price. Um, I mean, I don't, let's face it. There's been times where like you've given me a cost proposal and I'm like, Bump it up 20%. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because there's that much value there. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, we could pay you that. But to be honest with you, the value is at this level, you know? Yeah. But you're one of very, very few in, in town. And we've talked to all of them. And then they look at it and go, well, this is another revenue stream. I'm like, no, you're not understanding that you need about 220 grand. Yeah. That includes your employees to really right. do a drone program. And might I remind you, if you don't hire us to train you, you're going to blow five times that in mistakes. Yeah. It, it just doesn't equate. It, yeah. We're already out there and doing it. Yeah. Um, and we have companies that have no problem paying us to train them for 10 days and give them everything that we've known. And yep. they don't mind paying the price because they go, well, why is it so expensive? I go, well, I'm training my competition here. You know, why wouldn't you pay this? Yeah. I'm, I'm giving you seven years of experience and 15,000 flights. You will never have a problem. Yeah. I'm like, well, it seems like an awful lot of money. You're just a drone dude. <laughs> All right, whatever. Yeah. So there's, you know, obviously, you know, the, the hot topics now are like augmented reality and mm -hmm. virtual reality and that mm -hmm. type thing. You know, the metaverse and all these mm -hmm. different things. I mean, what, what role do you see drones or UAVs playing in that? Well, we've been doing it actually for a few years. So our most recent project that's uh, a big landmark project for us because we have a unicorn of a waiver. And um, for those of you who don't know what a waiver is, it's um, an FAA authorization to operate in specific airspace. And we're very blessed to do all the drone work for McCarthy. And McCarthy have a project called the Dream Project. And it is actually on the active, if any of you are pilots out there, you'll know what that means, at McCarran International Airport. What makes our waiver particularly uh, interesting is we are allowed to fly from surface to 400 feet day or night. Why is that important? Well, one of the very first things is in order for investors to purchase and people to buy units, they want to know what their view is on the 19th floor. 
So we go up and we fly a specific pattern at a specific angle and create imagery and video that is then brought into a Revit model or a BIM model. And then that goes out to prospective purchasers or investors uh, with um, uh, Google Glass which is, or Google Cardboard where they ship you out a piece of cardboard with all your branding on it and you put your phone on and then you can see exactly what the sunset and sunrise looks like as you're walking into and around your particular mm. unit. That's awesome. So that's VR and augmented reality. And we very first did that in Hawaii for the Mandarin Oriental. It's very successful. Um, and it, it's a big part of it. Um, it's also a big part of, as the structures are built, we can now fly and create a LiDAR model internally and externally of uh, the project so that you get a permanent as-built. Because you can actually drop in your your utility plan, your electrical plans and everything. So you have a, a full-on as-built. Yep. It's pretty cool. So let me ask you this. I mean, there's a lot of different things being done with drones right now. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've talked about a, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what seems to be the most profitable application for drones and the different sensors that can be attached to them? That's a good question. Um, is it more on the theatrical side or is it on the mapping side, I guess? No, it's, it, it's on the mapping side, um, which for our manned, uh, manned aerial mappers, it, that's a frustration. Um, we can do it lower, faster, with higher resolution, and people appreciate that, but we're still... I, I don't know, to any of my comrades that are out there, we, we're still 40% of what uh, a manned aerial survey is. Um, yeah. But that's where the, the, the profit is. The other side of the profit is um, the inspection side and preventing massive manpower utilization. Take transmission towers under federal mandate. They have to be, every single one has to be inspected every two years but only 15% actually have an issue. Flying a drone uh, eliminates all those dangers for uh, a human doing it. Yeah. Cell phone tower models, um, big expansion with DISH, you know, uh, there's 2,000 on a contract. Uh, just in the state of Arizona, being able to map those, um, that project can be done in four months. It would take them two years to get them inspected. Um, so there's some profit margins out there. I think the future of drones uh, that would be very profitable in terms, of, not just for a drone company, but profitable in terms of cost savings mm-hmm. for companies is ground penetrating radar, yeah, getting subsurface utilities, um, being able to map an entire uh, proper project 3D model because there's so much expansion needed. How do they really tie in? How do they line everything up? A, a drone can do that yeah. with current technology. So, yeah. So we we kind of touched on it briefly, but <clears throat> something that drives me crazy. You are able to provide a deliverable because of the technology that you have available to you mm-hmm. at maybe, I don't want to say a lower cost. Maybe it is a lower cost. And we've talked about this kind of before that, and I'll look at it from a surveyor perspective. You know, when I first started surveying, you know, I'm an old guy. I was in a three-person survey crew, you know, pulling chain through the hills and valleys of Southern <laughs> Illinois, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, next thing you know, all of a sudden there's a um, electronic distance meter that you <laughs> mounted to the top of your your transit, yeah. and it would shoot to a prism to give you a distance so you didn't have to chain anymore. Well, next thing after that, um, there's all of a sudden a uh, robotic total station. Yep. You know, and next thing after that, all of a sudden there is a uh, global positioning unit, right? So it's like the technology has increased at such a rapid pace. And all of a sudden, surveyors, in this case, are able to perform these tasks more efficiently because of the technology that's been avail- been made available to them. So all of a sudden they start lowering their prices yep. because of that. To me, that makes no freaking sense. Nope. I'm curious to see what your take on that is. Um, it goes back to my statement, don't judge me on the time it takes me to acquire the data, judge me on the quality of the data I deliver because I can deliver so much more, so much quicker. And when I'm dealing with clients who are saying, you know, uh, well, we talked to our survey firm, they can't get out there for three months, but even if we give them a $25,000 mobilization bonus, and they, they don't want to pay me five grand for what they would be paying the survey company a hundred grand for. Yeah. Um, there, there's a frustration, a huge frustration there. Um, one thing that the technology is always going to continue to advance. The only reason technology gets retarded is because of the human intervention. Yep. Today I was on a call with a company that have absolutely 100% perfected, um, cell phone tower, um, data collection. And the data collection, because of the cameras that we shoot with as a production company, are obscene. I mean, I'm seeing serial numbers in the cabling from them from 50 feet away. They can see if the nut's been tightened enough, if it isn't seated correctly on the rad. I was absolutely staggered. Well... There's a lot of value to that. The drone is a $52,000 unit because they've programmed AI into it. As a drone pilot, I fly up. I go to the center of the monopole directly below. I pull back. I set my frame. (coughs) I tell it how high is it from the top, how high is from the bottom, and it just flies the damn thing. Takes 30 minutes, takes 1,200 images, and then you have a, a product that you can put into a 3D printer that engineers can look at with every single tube and wire. And for people who are listening, they they may not know that cell phone towers have a lot of hijacking. They're finding modems from people that haven't paid a leasing fee Mm. that they've climbed up and they're hijacking the the bandwidth. So they're looking for that. They need to see the H-frames with, uh, is there enough room to apply another client? Is there enough structural integrity? And I'm like, guys, it's a great product, but they pay us $300 for a flight. You you just can't afford the tech. So bring the price down. They're like, well, we can't because we've only sold 60 drones. I go, (laughs) well, go sell another 500 and then call me because this is an incredible product and everybody needs it. But the expense to get into the game and the problem is in six months, you're going to call me up and tell me you got a better unit and need another 50 grand from me. I can't get it fast enough mm. back. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the challenge with the industry because th- at the end of the day, I, I may know, I, please don't anybody listening to this take umbrage with this, but 
at what point do we acknowledge that a surveyor has obsolescence? Mm. And there are things that you will still need to do, meets and bounds and yep. underground and all the rest of it. But in terms of collecting data, every survey firm should be flying drones or contracting with a, a drone service provider yep. so they can take on more business and do more line work and sign more alters. And mm-hmm. Because as I understand it in the survey world, doing an alter policy is the gravy train. Um, and, and we need to work together as an industry, um, as a tool, because you don't want the liability of what we do. We don't want the... I don't want to deal with the Phoenix 1929 coordinate <laughs> system again. Um, I don't care if it's a point seven four translation factor from state plane. I don't care. You, you guys deal with that, you know. I'm not schlepping a level or a, or a chain across uh, <laughs> across the fields, no. Um, but, yeah, that that's a challenge. We, we've got technology outstripping us, and the only retardation to that technology is humans. Hmm. So interesting. <coughs> Do you think that the like macro trend though plays into our industry? Because because if you look at it from a you know I try to I'm not a surveyor I try to you know I'm not a drone dude I know that's Wait, a, that's the first person that said they're not a surveyor yeah that's amazing but it's everyone like, well, thinks they're a surveyor I'm not a surveyor no, I'm not a surveyor <laughs> but like if you look at it like surveyors <laughs> and I would like to hear Mark's opinion on this Uh-oh. too is like you know you look at it and go okay Amazon though cuts costs. Your next day delivery, same day delivery. Yeah. You, if I do that through the postal service, it can cost me what? An arm and a leg. Yeah. 35 bucks. And if I pay $120 a, a year, that, I think that's like where the there's a nuance to it. Where like macro, we're accustomed to cutting costs from an Amazon perspective for the same day delivery. And then you look at like Apple, when you talk about the drones, it's like, yeah. I got to have the next, I, I got to have the next one. I got to do the next mm-hmm. like thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you think that plays into the industry then from a, from a micro perspective now? No, I, I totally agree with you. But the, the problem is there's so much on the line that there will become an equilibrium. I.e., when I talk about so much on the line, Kent's license is on the line if there's a mistake and you can go so low before quality, mm. you're ending up getting the quality you're paying for. Mm. Mm. Um, Good point. That you know, I I fly a job site and you know like thirteen hundred acres every Saturday, and the difference between my flight and a human saves them about sixty grand a week. Mm. My pitch as a business owner has been: give me a percentage of what I save you. Don't don't pay me. Mm. Just give me a percentage. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. That's an awful lot of money we'd pay you at the end of the year. And you're like, good. You're like, yeah, good, good yeah, do that. Then, yeah. then, then I'm vested, right? Yeah. But you get the the more you push down the price, the less the companies have mm-hmm. to invest in technology that makes them defensible. They start mm-hmm. cutting corners. You know, they they start doing a five second burn instead of a three minute burn on a vertical structure. Um, they they cut corners wherever they can because at the end of the day it's it's T and M, and we try and provide the value in a package price without involving T and M. You know, it, it's it's a great point. It really is, and it, it's a, di- a dichotomy of the 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 space that we're all in with dealing with technology. And as far as I'm concerned with the company, as I, I said earlier, I don't care how fast you can fly, how quicker I can collate the data, how better the resolution mm. is. 
There's no need for any more improvements. Yeah. There isn't. Well, on that note, let's talk about that because I, if I remember right, last time we talked, you know, we talked about, you know, what's coming up in the future. And some of the, some of the things that were mentioned were like, um, you know, infrared sensors, which we touched on, and LiDAR sensors, which we, what we tu- which we touched on. What, what's next? What are you, what are you seeing? There's so much coming out. Well, you know what? I was at GeoWeek, and I saw, like, a hydrogen-powered drone. Oh, yeah. They've been out for a while. Really? They yep. had them at the UAV Expo. In, oh, really? They did. In Vegas, yeah. 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 I mean, they fly for a long time. It's crazy. How did you show this, Kent? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, so here's the thing. You need to be on visual line of sight waiver. Cool. Yeah. So I can fly 100 miles in a day and fly through all the communities. But they only put, the only state currently that has done it is North Carolina mm. on a coastal uh, mm. inter- interchange. And they did it as a proof of concept. And North Carolina is the most passionate about doing Beyond vin- Visual Line of Sight because they started original flight. Um, Amazon still, they're testing deliveries, but it's not commercial. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's absolutely amazing is um, the 5G network, which is the panacea to being able to fly these projects for miles for transmission and oil and just anything is reliant on the 5G network. The only companies that are going to make money are the 5G network service providers that are selling you their data. And what was interesting on a webinar was to find out that there are pockets during specific times that vary during the day that drones must be able to log into to find out where the dead spots are and file a flight plan with the FAA when they approve it in 2023 that says, <laughs> I can fly today. So Ryan's ordered his super cool Converse new sneakers with a bedazzled tongue, because that's what he's into. Of course he is. I, I love yeah. my chucks. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. And bedazzled. He bedazzled. <laughs> and he's going to pay a premium for a drone deliver him, to deliver him to, because sure. he doesn't want to wait for five hours down in... Chicago to get them at the local store. Yes. And oh dear, we can't fly today, but you're not going to know for 30 minutes before they're supposed to be departing from the warehouse. Hmm. So there are all these, in my opinion, non scalable issues of pizza delivery and reliant on a 5G network for all the redundancy, the cost of the equipment. I mean, Amazon spent millions and millions and millions. Yeah. And my old. Chief pilot, Anthony, he left and went and worked for Amazon for two years and left because it wasn't going anywhere. Now he was with Valonzi and now he's with another company because Valonzi closed their doors as Mm. well in certain areas. So the whole beyond visual line of sight, which allows us to have this homologation and moving moving great distances, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's there. Not there yet. Not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I'd pay an extra 20 bucks to have my trucks delivered to me. <laughs> Shoot, twin. I, I'm an Amazon Prime member. All day long, baby. <laughs> well, yeah. Who isn't nowadays? Yeah. It's just a real question. What a racket. How does their stock keep going down? I have no idea. I keep putting money into Amazon, and it's going down. 
but I'm going to keep investing. And I remember, like, back in the day, it was, like, $35 to get free delivery. Yeah. Now it's, like, if you want same-day delivery, it's, oh, yeah, it's incredible. $35. And I'm like, fuck, I'll spend yeah. it. Where do you live? I want my shit now. It's two ninety nine for where I live. Yes. For what? I live in the hood. Uh, on on the east side of the valley. Well, that's why I don't want to give out exactly where I. He's live. in Gil. What'd you call it earlier? Gil Gilbert. Gilbert. It had a ten. Gilbert, no, yeah, Gilbert. Yeah. It had yeah. a ten percent property appreciation last year. I, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, our house has oh gone God. up a lot, yeah. so I can't complain. No, but yeah, yeah. no, I I just live uh, off the beaten path a little bit. That's but, all right. No, yeah. I'm I'm. I, so my story about Amazon was when I had my leg uh, rebuilt and I'm in a fixator. So I had to have my leg up for nine months. I'm like, I, I need bandages. Well, where do I get them mm. from? And I go into Amazon and I never really figured this out. Yeah. And it was $3 for a two-hour delivery. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm kind of bleeding. <laughs> and boom. And then my biggest frustration was it took me like two, by the time I'd ordered it, Amazon already delivered it, but it took me like 20 minutes to crawl to the door <laughs> to wow. get my bandages. I was Crazy, like, man. but this is awesome. And after that, I was Amazon. I buy everything from Amazon. I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I am a, a loyal customer. Yeah, I, I know. Sure. I feel like Bezos has got more money than he ever needs, but shit, he's got a good business model. <laughs> Genius, yeah. just like Richard Branson started in his garage. Of course, all right. Yeah. I gotta get a better garage. Him up. Of, of course. course, Sir Richard. Yes. So, um, my hero. Total side note: I know we're kind of wrapping it up here. Yeah, your exploded foot. Is it all good? Yeah, it's okay. Okay, it's you're, doing you're, better. Are you gonna lose you're, it? You're, you're gonna keep it? Oh, I'm gonna keep it. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It it was healed, and then I don't know what happened. So yeah, you so. and Tranquina will be running marathons here shortly together? No, I can never do that again. <laughs> just, can you just, like, rub some whiskey on it? No, 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 no. April rubs magic spirits and all sorts of stuff and, mm. and prays to it every night. I love it. Yeah. Goes to Sedona, get some, like, crystals or something for yeah. it. That's what we do. To, we do that Connor every night just so he shows up to work the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you don't know about my toe and the foreskin, right? I don't want to know. Well, when you said about rubbing it, that was, the, that was the whole problem. When they took off my big toe, they put an applegraph, which is a, a, a foreskin that's grown in a, in a Petri dish. Huh. And so your that, toe gets excited. So that's the whole point. They joke. The surgeon jokes and says, well, when it's healed, just rub it and it'll grow back. And I've been rubbing it furiously for years. <laughs> it just doesn't grow back. I'm really pissed. You, know? uh, you keep at it. That's Cigna for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I'd been on Blue Cross Blue Shield. You would have been all right. That would have been huge. I, yeah. I am the worst person to talk about feet because I, yeah, they disgust me. But I love feet. But you have gorgeous feet. <laughs> I'm you want to talk about your fantastic? Don't get me wrong. I take mm -hmm. care of them, but love. I'm just, I'm just grossed <laughs> out by. I'm feet a, I'm in a foot. I'm a foot guy. Yeah, Ugh. that's why Mega wears eight inch uh, CFM pumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, we're getting off the track just a little bit. I was bit. gonna say we're off the rails here, boys. We gotta bring it back. Hey, well, I'll, I'll, since I'll, season four, I mean, <laughs> good God. Oh yes. man, can you? Uh, Are we hold on, on you know what? season four? Let's have a moment just a little bit because I'm thinking about it. I'm like, Mark was literally the fourth guest. Yeah, yep. I remember up <laughs> in up in the social hall. That is crazy. In the closet. Yeah. You know, Studio yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. It was great. And it was amazing. Yeah. I, like I brought up beforehand, I, I remember him talking about getting a tattoo, and I yeah. remember bringing up uh, Maui 
from yeah. well the dolphins and all that good stuff, right? Uh, what the hell is uh, the Rock? Was Maui in oh, yeah. Moana? That's Moana. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. BC. That's why. Uh, that's, yeah, I, I got yeah. a, I got a child. So, so Connor, <laughs> it, it, you gotta have a question. You're, you're, uh, you're over there like so you're still. No, I know. I got it. You I have know. something. Oh, you want me to ask? Do you want me to ask? Do you want me to ask? Do you want me to ask the question? Ask some question. Oh, the question was going to be, what's your mantra, I guess? Oh, my God. You stole my thunder. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, my God. Ah, oh, DZ. Full pop. Full pop right there. Shoots, what's the question? Uh, no, no, no. Shoots, go I, with the question. I, do you remember how you answered that the first time you were on the show? I don't. Neither do I. So if you want to Wait, repeat but yourself. But here's the thing, though. Your mantra can change throughout your life. Oh, yeah. You know, over the course of the last two years, your mantra may have changed. <laughs> Through the course of four seasons. No. No, it's... I, I mean, I, I really, really believe in all sincerity. It's very yeah. simple. Do... Um, Golden rule. I have a feeling it's going to be the golden rule. Yeah, it's just, for me, it's do more for your clients than they expect of you. Yeah. Love it. You'll be fine. So close to treat others the way you want to be treated. <laughs> yeah, but that's like an every freaking whole. But I, I do want to talk about one thing real quick. I want to yeah, circle please. back. and I'm, yeah. I'm not like a big go backwards kind of person. No. I used to give shoots shit all the time whenever you'd like, I want to go back to this. You are, and, and Connor mentioned it, you're, you're phenomenal at social media. Branding is obviously really important to you. Yes. Every time I see you, you've got an Extreme Aerial Productions shirt on. Your truck is wrapped. All your vehicles are wrapped. Um, Chief Geek. Chief talk Geek. about the importance of that. Um, I, I want people to understand that we're legitimate. And, and we roll up on a job site with a trailer and it's a new client. They, they go, oh, my God. Our last drone guy had, you know, a taco and, and a magnet. Um, it, 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 it's important for people to build comfort with us because drones are, um, you know, new and, and all the rest of it. And, and when people see us roll up, it, it's important that they know that we're a legitimate company. Yep. Um, my biggest regret is that the only truck that I could buy for a tax write-off two years ago was a high country. I didn't why, need why, a high why was that? Because it pisses the PMs off when they've got a basic GM Sierra. Yeah, but why was that the only truck you could buy as a right? Because there was a shortage. Remember the Chevy oh, had okay. a strike. Okay. And yep. everybody and all the construction companies were buying them at the end yep. of the year, right? Yep. Um but yeah, we, we have a little Nissan vans all wrapped and we open them up, we got all the equipment and and they know we're legit as opposed to the guy that's doing a great job as a single operator with his Toyota Katoma, whatever it's called, yeah. the taco, with his magnet on it, and he pulls out his Phantom. So what do you say to the people that are like, and I mean, I'm kind of in this camp just a little bit. Sure. Because, like, a, a survey rig has, what, 100 dollars worth of equipment in it, yeah. and if you put on the side, you know, survey, what have you, you're almost inviting people to steal your shit. Yep. So when you have these really nice looking extreme aerial production vans and trucks mm -hmm. and stuff like that, does that concern you at all? No, because there's a, a sticker that says sponsored by HK on every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so not really worried. And my chief pilot's an ex uh, Delta scout. So, nice. um, yeah, he is. Yeah, we're, we're fine. Yeah. We, because in, in all fantasy, I, I joke, joking aside, um, 
one of our biggest expense is actual theft insurance because we yeah. do end up staying in some questionable areas. Jaber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like I have Gilbert. seen his vans in Gilbert. Yes. So it's I've texted Gilbert. him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw your van. He's yeah. like, why didn't you go talk to him? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know who the hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a random dude just walk up like, hey, what's hey. up? I know Mark. My name shoots, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we have extra insurance because if we're unloading on some of the production shoots, it takes a while to unload the vehicles. And if someone just grabs a Pelican case, they can grab shit, 20 grand's worth of equipment. So we have extra insurance for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What else? You got anything else? We've gone through my list of questions. Do you have anything else? I think everyone should watch Pennyworth. Mm. I looked it up. Can you have told to look me? Into that. I looked it up. I, I'm, I'm totally on it. brought back my Cockney accent, like you know. Yeah, <laughs> freaking awesome. Yep. Off to apples and pears and all whistling. I'm gonna flute. look into that. I, yeah. I, I guarantee the lovely Megan will probably love that. Oh yeah, she's into that shit. Super cool. And um, no, just anybody wants any advice out there that's running a drone company or a survey company, thinking about uh, yeah taking the time to set it up. Call me. I'm I'm happy to share and and. Uh, Give you the trials and tribulations of what it takes. For and sure. this is not like rubbing your shoulders. I'm not trying to suck up to you or anything. But yeah, you are. You are definitely the most um, qualified drone dude. Yeah, <laughs> no question. Uh, that no I uh, that I've encountered. So I was Tito's chief geek. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But so. you, you let's be honest, mate. You have helped me immensely. I, 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 yeah, I don't think so. But I, wait, I, I appreciate on. it, dude. Is that your foot under the table rubbing uh, Mark's? <laughs> going on here mark's foreskin <laughs> <laughs> um i'm sorry i'm british <laughs> we're, we're sorry too <laughs> no but like i i know the like drone people get a bad yeah. rap oh no question and, yeah no question but you are definitely yeah. very into it and qualified and um it, it's kind of like from a photogrammetrist point it's it's appreciated yeah instead of these fly-by-night people that just, you know, go buy it, like yeah. you said, a DJI at uh, Best Buy and throw it up in the air. Yeah. No, you're actually yeah. invested in doing it Trying right. to do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. No question. So. Yeah, in fact, as a matter of fact, I'm going to toot your horn even a little bit more. Is that okay? Uh-oh. Wow. Horns yeah, out. Horns horn out. Up. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Forks uh, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I was talking to this, uh, this gr- uh, woman, I'm sorry, girl, woman that I met at GeoWeek. Couple of weeks ago, we had a we had a, uh, a conversation today, and she's like big drone person, you know. I'm like, she's like, well, you know, I want to interview somebody for you know an article for this magazine and this magazine, blah blah blah. And I want to get a surveyor perspective. I'd like to get a drone operator's perspective. I'm like, stop right there. The only person you need to talk to is Mark <laughs> Taylor. Thank so you. So there's going to be a virtual introduction coming your way, One and thing. you and I, whether you like it or not, are going to have a uh, a dual. Um, uh, conversation. Nice. Dueling yeah. swords? Yeah, well, don't cross the swords. Oh, okay. Attorney yeah. involves? No crossing no. streams, boys. <laughs> no. No, you would no take it there. Your mind is in the bloody gutter. <laughs> you bring it out of me. What I do, I yes. yes. As I'm sporting a chubby by being getting all this praise. All right. But anyways, uh, hey, again, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you for coming back. So will you come back two years from now? Um, I, I already felt like I was the bastard redheaded stepchild by being missed by 115 episodes. <laughs> so. Season six. We'll bring you back. 
Mm, You're coming maybe back. Maybe I'll date you with my presence. <laughs> All right, man. I, I just like that you said season four. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> We've been doing this for a long freaking time. All of a sudden it sinks in. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. 120 episodes uh, later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Connor, are you ready? Are you ready to do some producing? We're ready to rock and roll. All right, I'm going to hit play over here. Let's see what happens. Are you ready? You shouldn't have to do anything. Let's see. Boom. Turn it down. Turn it down just a hair. Great job, guys. Adding value and, in this case, keeping friends. Always. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Thanks again for listening to our uh, loyal friend, the program. In this case, get kids in the survey. Thanks to them for believing in us. Remember, be sure to mention you're a geoholic when you reach out to any of our exclusive friends of the program because you're going to get some listener promotions. Download the Geoholics app from LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Send us an email at info at the geoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We'd love to have you. Last but not least, pay it forward. Add value, make friends. You two, Elevation, available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, don't avoid the truth. And most importantly, be safe and healthy. Peace out. Thank you to our 2022 Friends of the Program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, prostarcorp.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. Topodot, new.certainty3d.com. And finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.